Welcome to your call to action with your host, Simon Bruno, sharing inspiration and motivation from the e-commerce world. Today, this is your call to action. Hi guys, and welcome to another episode of Your Call to Action, the e-commerce podcast for those looking to take action to grow their e-commerce business to new heights. Thank you for joining us once again, wherever you are in the world, whether you are tuning in on Spotify, Anchor, Google, Apple, or wherever it is. Thanks again. So in this episode, we are once again continuing the theme of interviewing one of our users here at KeepSpace. This week, we got Butter Coffee founder Nathan Shearer on the podcast. He shares his e-commerce journey as well as his seven-day startup story, which is based upon the book of the same name by Dan Norris. That book is one of my favorite startup books. I seriously put it up there with the Lean Startup in terms of essential books to read if you ever want to start a business. We talk about e-commerce as a whole, mainly focusing on Amazon and regulations behind importation of certain products in Australia, and we compare those laws to the ones that are in the US. Also, to close, we talk about Nathan's passion for click funnels. So all you funnel hackers out there, you're going to love this one. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the podcast. Today, I'm joined by Nathan Shearer from Butter Coffee. How's it going, Nathan? Yeah, really good, man. Oh, that's cool. So to kick off the podcast, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Sure. Thanks, Simon. So my name is Nathan. I've been running a whole bunch of businesses for the last couple of years. My journey into e-com was not a glamorous one by any means, <laughs> but I've certainly enjoyed it. Uh, I've come in leaps and bounds and what I've learned. So I started a, a small e-com store in 2014 um, and we grew from zero to sales in seven days, which I'll, I'm sure I'll cover off how we did that and zero to six figures in six months. So it was definitely a trial by fire. I learned lots of things along the way. So I'm happy to share my journey and, and show you what we've been up to. Yeah, sure. So your e-commerce journey the whole story started around this book called The Seven Day Startup. Is that correct? Yeah, that's the one. That's the one. So what is The Seven Day Startup and how influential has that book been on your entrepreneurial journey so far? Yeah, hugely. So I, I guess the, the Seven Day Startup journey actually starts with a different book, which is The 4-Hour Workweek. I'm sure most of your listeners have probably heard of that. If you haven't heard of that, really, it's the introduction to what's possible in running your own thing and potentially running it online. So that was really the four minute mile for me. That was the, the, you can do this and anyone can do this and it's totally possible. And you can start with nothing and, and have a side business and earn money on your own. So that, that really uh, set the bar um, uh, for me. I read that book and, and thought, all right, I'm allowed to be an entrepreneur. Entrepreneurs could potentially make it in this world and, and set off on that journey. Now that, that was 2011 really not a lot happened positively. <laughs> I learned a lot, but not much happened between 2011, 2014 that was of any use. <laughs> uh, but I, I quickly learned that having ideas wasn't going to be what made me successful. So while the four hour work week was fantastic in introducing the fact that it was possible to have your own business and be successful, uh, it certainly didn't give me any tactical ways of going about doing it. So outsourcing uh, a piece of work, while that might be a tactical piece um, to help you with your business, if you don't actually have a business, hiring people is kind of a stupid idea. <laughs> and I learned that one the hard way. Um, so when I came across, I started reading lots and lots of books 
because I, I, I thought if the four hour work week could introduce me to such things, then maybe other books could help me with the actual tactical bits and pieces. And I come across a book by an Aussie entrepreneur called Dan Norris. Uh, and his book was called The Seven Day Startup. Now, I am a little bit of a nerd. I'll let everyone know that um, my background is in IT. I do like nerdy stuff. Dan was was running an agency, a, an online web design agency. So he was building websites for people. Basically, he had a really, on paper, he had a really successful business. But as a lot of people know, when you start running a business, your costs need to not exceed your incoming revenue. Otherwise you really are heading towards bankruptcy and a lot of businesses head that way. So uh, he was getting sick of dealing with busy, busy clients and everything seemed to be getting harder and harder. He was growing, but at the same time, his problems were growing as his business was growing. So he thought there needed to be another way out of this. So he was, he was right at the end of his, I guess, financial string. Uh, and he, had the same kind of background as us. He was looking at the four hour work week and he was looking at how these businesses are run and he, he's reading things like the lean startup and how all the problems with his business that were all written out in all these different frameworks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so he's got a, he's got a huge team of um, resources that are building out websites and stuff for people, but he just didn't seem to be able to, to keep the business going. He was just about to close it. He came up with this idea that if he could get, people on some kind of simpler recurring thing. He's got a whole bunch of resources that could help people. If he had something where he knew the people needed what he had um, and he could charge a smaller fee, but have a lot more people and the task was simple, then he's sure he, he could make something work that would be a lot less stress for him rather than these huge big, uh, website builds, he would just do the bits and pieces because he enjoyed the maintenance side of clients afterwards, but he really struggled with the, with the build part of it. Yeah. Um, I know I'm getting a little bit technical here, but uh, the, the, stick with me for a minute while I, while I, while I nerd out for a second. So it, long story short, he had come up with the fact that all of these, uh, I don't know if you, you remember back when blogging was a huge thing. It just come on the scene and every, every man his dog wanted to, to write their own blog and they could travel the world writing a blog or they could start a business writing a blog, that sort of thing. So uh, all of a sudden there was an explosion of bloggers, but these people weren't technical. So he pitched a few of his blogging friends, a few of his friends that wanted blogs and said, look, I know you guys are using this thing called WordPress. I know that you're struggling with making it look pretty or getting things updated or changing how it looks and, and things like that. What if I could do that for you really cheaply? Mm. That was kind of his pitch and everyone yeah. went, uh, sounds great. Tell me more. <laughs> so he, he come up with the idea. Look, if I could, if I could do this nice and easily, if I, it was definitely something that would scale. I know what I'm doing. So we kind of had this little checklist of things that, you know, this is, this seems like a good idea on the second day he started asking his friends. So what if I could do this for you? What if I could do that for you? And um, basically he came up with this little framework. It kept going a couple of days. So he had come up with a name for it. People were asking him, what's it called? How would you do this? So he came up with a name on day three. On day four, he decided that he needed somewhere to actually take money from people. So he built out a little website and told people what it was. So I can't go hand to hand and tell every single person in the world, this is what it does. So I'll put, put exactly what I'm saying to people on a website um, and a little credit card button that they could buy for it. Um, day five is like, well, how do I get to more of these people? Oh, I know bloggers, what do bloggers do? Where do they all hang out? So he came up with the ingenious idea to go 
to talk to people on podcasts. Podcasts are just starting out as well. Bloggers, every blogger in um, um, in the blogosphere was was listening to podcasts about how to grow their blog and things like that. So he decided to go on to to try and get himself onto podcasts and and talk to these bloggers and say, look, I've got this little service that'll fix up your WordPress site for you. Um, on day six, he was trying to work out whether he knew how this would be successful or not. So he came up with what was called the one metric that matters. So if I can get people to sign up and they stay for more than a month, <laughs> that's my one yep. metric that matters. Mm. Uh, and on day seven, he decided to turn it on and he got onto a podcast and the rest is history. So he went okay. from zero to sales in seven days and um, zero to six figures. And I think it was six weeks he went in. It was very, very quickly. <laughs> and he hit the, yep. I think he hit the million dollar run rate in a year. So that was called the seven day startup. And the business was called WP Curve. It yep. was an unlimited WordPress fixing service for I think it was $69 at the time, which was absolutely unheard of. He, he actually started a movement with the uh, unlimited service model. And um, yeah, the rest is history. Yeah. So what was your specific seven day startup journey? So it was, it was such a fantastic story. I, it resonated with me because I was such a nerd. But reading it, I was so fascinated with the fact that I could I was allowed to be this entrepreneur. There was no problems with what I was doing. I just didn't have this simple framework for taking my idea to reality. I didn't have something that could say, okay, you've got all these ideas. What are you going to focus on? <laughs> As any entrepreneur knows that uh, without focus, you, you're kind of useless. So when I, when I read this book, I thought, hang on a minute. I've actually got all these pieces. This checklist of whether this is a good idea, I could tick it all off. And at the time I'd been going through a bit of a health revolution for our family. Mm. Uh, we had a little bit of a health scare, which uh, wasn't pretty at the time. And we, we really dove deep into health and nutrition. I came across um, through Tim Ferriss again. Uh, he came out with a book at the time called the four hour body, uh, which was a follow on from his um, four hour work week. I dove really deep into things like the keto diet and low low carb, high fat, things like that. Um, and I stumbled across Bulletproof Coffee uh, and Dave Asprey. And I really enjoyed, he was a little bit of a nerd. <laughs> and uh, so that resonated with me as well. But his, his way of describing nutrition, his simplicity and, and focus, I guess, on entrepreneurial nutrition as well. So how do I get really good nutrition efficiently into my body? So that spoke to me as well. So I really, really enjoyed the, the, the Bulletproof Coffee journey at first and so much so I became a little bit of an evangelist and I started telling anyone that would listen about the, the wonders of this awesome, simple, nutritious thing to the point where I was actually worked. I actually worked out a way to get it cheaper by buying it in bulk and I was selling it to, to friends. So I, I kind of had the, the concept and the idea, maybe I could build an e-commerce store using this seven day startup process and become a, a reseller of this bulletproof stuff. I've got all the makings. I went through Dan's checklist and, you know, is it something I enjoy doing? Is this a scalable business model? Yes, e-com is. Is this something um, that would function without me? Yes, if I've got a store making sales, it can happen while I'm asleep. So going through his process, I, I come up with an MVP, which was to get the ability to take, obviously, people's email addresses and the concept of, you know, if I can, if I actually can get the product, then maybe I can flip it and sell it. So I had my little, my day two, Yeah, I needed to come up with a name. So day three is, is the name in the seven day process. So 
I looked around everywhere. I looked for bulletproof this and I, I looked at the competition. There was one person selling it already. Uh, they had a terrible name, terrible SEO. I knew a little bit about SEO and, and the, the nerdy side of that world. So it turned out that the, the term butter coffee was the second highest search term when it came to bulletproof coffee because butter in the coffee was what actually bulletproof coffee was. So, yeah. and buttercoffee.com.au was available. So <laughs> it was probably the smartest thing I ever did. I didn't realize at the time that it was um, such a powerful SEO domain name. So I, I grabbed that uh, day four. Um, I built out the website. So a simple e-commerce store built in WooCommerce. I knew WordPress. So that was where we started. Uh, we're migrating over to Shopify these days. It's a lot faster, a lot easier to use. Um, uh, but at the time it was built on WordPress and WooCommerce. So people are using that one. It's still a solid uh, provider um, when it comes to your e-commerce store. Uh, then what actually happened that week was pretty cool. So my, my partner and I were talking about this to, to her. This was just a silly little idea at the time, but she's in um, sales and marketing and, and, and knew a little bit about this sort of stuff. So she could see when I laid out the seven day startup process for her, she thought, hmm, maybe you can do all this and actually get this one off the ground. So we heard that Dave Asprey, the creator of Bulletproof Coffee, was going to be on local radio here in Perth that week. So mm. all of a sudden I had a, a little gold deadline um, on my seven day process. So if I could get uh, my website or at least me or something to do with us as the resellers onto that radio program, then basically I'd be off you know, drinking Mai Tais on the beach <laughs> with a laptop lifestyle, I thought. We contacted the radio station. We informed them that we would love to help during the interview as resellers of Bulletproof. If we could come down and make you Bulletproof coffee, that would be great. They may have jumped to conclusions and assumed that we worked for Bulletproof and we may not have corrected them on that. <laughs> uh, but it turned out, unfortunately, it's against occupational health and safety to go into um, a corporate office with hot beverages and not have a license. So right at the last minute, they wouldn't let us do that. So that was a bit of a bummer. I got right to my, my day seven um, and Dave Asprey came onto the radio and then told everyone about my competitor. So just salt in the wounds for that one. I, I guess a bit of karma. Yeah. Uh, that didn't stop me. So I'd gone on to things like the Bulletproof blog and a few other places. Um, there was a forum as well at the time. I did simple things like update my footer and said that we were a seller. Um, and if you're in Australia, you could get it from here. Uh, someone had asked that day because of the radio program. Hey, I heard Dave Asprey on the radio this morning. Does anyone know somewhere where we can get Bulletproof coffee in Perth? And I put a little note saying, we've just started selling it here. Would love to get it to you. That person's name was Tim and he became my first sale on day seven of our, I guess our seven day startup. Yeah. So we went from zero to sales in seven days, hooray, and zero to six figures in six months. Sweet. So this, the whole seven day startup methodology, if you follow it through each day and make sure that you hit your targets each day, it does work. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's really just one thing, one thing per day. Uh, you can take your idea, your concept through to something tangible yeah. in seven days. really gives you permission to, to, to have those ideas. So even if you can't get through the checklist on day one, maybe it's not the, it's not the best idea. If you yeah, can't yeah. get to an MVP on day two, then maybe back to the drawing board, that kind of thing. So yep. it's a really, really great framework. Yeah, cool. Thanks for sharing that journey. Um, it was really interesting. I think our listeners are going to get a lot out of it, especially those early stage 
businesses who are probably just starting out look still probably waiting for that first sale. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean that, that, that little mini process can be worked through for even new ventures, new campaigns that you're running in an existing business. So yeah. I've used it a few times for a few different things and it, it, it definitely works. So let's talk about e-commerce and Amazon. I know you're pretty big on the Amazon scene here in Perth. You run a couple of meetups. Did you want to share about that? Yeah, sure. So we, we've been running um, meetups here since, well, basically since I read the, the, the four hour work week, 2011, we started doing meetups and I started sharing some of this info that I was learning. Obviously wanted to be around other people doing this entrepreneurial thing. Didn't realize there was such a big startup scene in Perth. Uh, yep. So I really don't, but I found that uh, the big meetups that have been around for a while were really focused on people trying to create the next Facebook. So there was nothing really for the little guys. There was nothing for the indiepreneurs, for the, for the dadpreneurs like myself, really trying to make it work. We had day jobs and things like that at the time. So um, there was a lot of speaking from stages, talking about how good they were doing overseas. And you can do it too. You could come up with the next mm. Facebook yourself, that kind of thing, which was really not helpful to, to us little guys trying to, 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 you know, sell candles on the side or something like that. That's, that's yeah. really not the same aspirational model. So I started my own startup, just uh, startup meetup just to basically get around like-minded people and just really go around the circle and, and help people in, in the crew, where were you up to? If you needed help with this, maybe someone else in the group could help you with that. Technical people, we had non-technical people, that kind of thing. So it really, it really worked out well. Invariably, we started having little offshoots of focus groups. So we had some e-commerce people, which turned into some Amazon people, yeah, Amazon was starting to tease the fact that they were going to come to Australia. Uh, people were having wild success in 2012, 13, 14 with Amazon FBA. Uh, the whole drop shipping model became very attainable for people and competition started to hit up a lot there. So we spun off a Amazon meetup group and that really took off. It took off like wildfire. I partnered with somebody who we had so much demand for it. And especially for, there were people who were serious, people who were doing it full-time. So they wanted to meet in the daytime. There were people who were doing it part-time who wanted to meet after work. So there were people who wanted to meet down south. I was in up north. So we kind of split it and had, had meetings sort of everywhere. And that was actually where I came across um, Jesse from, from Keepspace. So oh, yeah. we met up at one of those meetups and uh, formed a friendship from there. And, yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it's definitely something that has uh, come in leaps and bounds, and uh, something that it, it definitely needs to be on people's radars. Whether you're on Amazon or not, you need to be aware of it as the, I guess, the elephant in the room. If you're yeah, not there already. yeah, definitely. So the first question I got in regards to e-commerce is the the law changes that have come into effect in the past twelve months. So some laws around GST and imports and all that sort of stuff, like for bringing stuff into Australia. So would you say? Overall, Australia is a good environment to run an e-com e store. Um, so I, I need to, to, obviously, I'm not a legal advisor and, and take this as opinion and conjecture only. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so from what I've seen over the last 18 months to two years, doing business in Australia is hard. We have not nearly as hard a things like the VAT that the UK does and the GDPR, but we're only a few steps behind them. So there's been some recent changes um, here in Australia around privacy, which we, we're going to have to deal with as well. But overall doing business in Australia hasn't been too hard, uh, but GST definitely plays into that. When it comes to Amazon, we, we definitely, that really showed us when Amazon first started to come here and when they started talking about doing business here, the slowness of them getting started, they started to tell us why. And it was clear that the government, 
wasn't uh, the government and customs and things like that. We really weren't set up for this to the point where, you know, if we get into a little bit of details again, I'm not, I'm not a, a, a legal provider. So take this again, as I said, opinion and conjecture, we have a really backwards uh, therapeutic goods association, getting supplements across the border, really, really difficult. Uh, lots of things that come in had uh, an embargo, I think that's the right word for it. We had, uh, I, I guess, a threshold for importation. If the value on the day of the Aussie exchange rate was under $1,000, um, things were, were sort of let through the border, but people would put them in different boxes and say they were from different spots. And all of a sudden you got $10,000 worth of stuff coming through and they'd get stopped or not get stopped. So there was all sorts of things going on with that. And it just really showed when Amazon came along and said, look, we've got enormous scale here. <laughs> we're going to start bringing lots and lots of things in. And it just stalled and stalled and stalled and stalled because we just weren't set up, I guess, as a country to, to do that at a grand scale. Yeah. For the, for the little guys, we were importing and it was really tricky. So we, we found that we weren't able to stock uh, bulletproof supplements. Things like charcoal are on the no-fly list because it's not proven to be useful. <laughs> <laughs> even though we've been using it for thousands of years. Yeah, yeah. So there's all sorts of silly things that make things way more difficult than they need to be. When it comes to GST and you're selling things from overseas, there's some stuff that makes it tricky as well. We're bringing in coffee beans and that is classified as not requiring GST. Certain amounts of coffee beans can be seen as commercial importation of a base good. So there's, there's all sorts of things. So I guess you have regulations in every country. Yeah. It just seemed that, um, the, the problems that we were having um, in growing our business, we weren't seeing with our, um, if our peers in the U S so we, we obviously contacted people who weren't selling in the same market as us to find out how they were doing and sort mm -hmm. of get together and, and, um, sort of share ideas on, on how to grow the business and, and that sort of thing. And we just weren't seeing any issues on their side that we were seeing on our side. So I, I guess in a, in a nutshell, you, you really need to, have some business support when it comes to this sort of stuff. People that have done it before, people that understand, I'll, I'll give you a quick, a quick, a quick story. So uh, people understand the, the complexity and also the, the dangers around this. So yep. we, we started selling two supplements for Bulletproof. One was the, the charcoal, activated charcoal, which is really fantastic for, for things like bloating. It's really good after drinking to clean up all of the toxins from the alcohol. Uh, and, and these are all things that have been written about for, for millennia. And we would have simple articles pointing to, to medical things and, you know, they still use it in hospitals, that sort of stuff. So we, we weren't saying it cured cancer or anything like that, but we had, we, we certainly pointed out to a regular everyday information and we were selling that for a couple of years. Bulletproof then got into selling quite a large range of supplements and we took them on and put a big, big, massive post out. I basically took the content from Bulletproof and, and said, look, this is, this is the new range of supplements. They're amazing. We'll be focusing on it this year. I went ahead and purchased a whole bunch of them, had them on the way um, to be, coming through customs, all above board, everything fine. And uh, we got a knock on our front door from a government agent. Um, this agent was from the TGA. Uh, they said, are you butter coffee? We said, yes. And they said, here is a um, cease and desist. You need to close down your store today or risk a $3 million fine and six years in jail. <laughs> so <laughs> quite rightly, we were a little bit shocked at the time. We asked said agent if they would like to come in for a coffee and if we could talk about this a little bit more deeply because we have no idea what you're talking about. She was fantastic. She went on to explain 
everything and how things were working and that there was a complaint about one of the products we were selling, which may or may not have come from a competitor. Um, and the fact that she even said that made me <laughs> extremely suspicious. I, I knew who, who it was. Basically with the TGA and, and supplements, you need to register anything that's classed as a therapeutic good if you want to sell it to Aussies. Yeah. Um, even if it comes from overseas and even if it's selling everywhere else in the world and has been selling for thousands of years, you still need to register it with them. And it's quite a significant cost. So you could be up from 1500 to $2,000 per product line per year uh, just to be able to sell it. Um, yeah. And that process can take some time as well. So um, people need to be aware with, with those sorts of things. And you, you really need to get some advice if you're going to be selling something like a supplement, something like um, a food product, something probably heard things like if you're going to be doing things with um, babies and children, anything that could harm people, obviously you need to be aware of that sort of stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Don't just go into it blind. Yeah. That was one of my things. So I, I had some sort of e-com ideas, you know, to start a business and they were kind of food related, mm-hmm. but I was just wasn't sure, you know, cause I know Australia's got all these laws surrounding food products and stuff. So that kind of stopped my, stopped me in my tracks. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So what about Amazon? So Amazon's launched, I think two years ago now, has it, is that how long it's been? It's been, a, it's been a, it's been a wild journey for them. It certainly yeah. has, Lots of downs and a few ups. It was extremely exciting for them to be coming here. I think, as I said before, if, if something is going to change the regulations and make things a lot easier, it's something as big as Amazon. That's the yeah, only yeah. thing that's really going to, to help consumers and help small business here in Australia is someone massive like that coming across and really hacking through the red tape. And it's been clear the last couple of years with the, there's been a whole bunch of backflips and, and things happening. So just to give you a um, uh, an example, we, uh, Amazon announced that they would stop selling to, um, Australians from the amazon.com store. Yep. We, that uh, conjecture for that was the fact that they were just trying to push the amazon.com.au store itself, but it turns out it was actually related to GST and importation. So through negotiations, I think they've, they've, backflipped on that and they may even be going the other way again so it, it's clear with the with the amount of change that's happening they're, they're going to do a huge big launch and then they didn't they brought out some changes and regulations around gst which they backed out then they're going in again with them it's really clear to me that no one knows what on earth is happening so yeah. <laughs> how to do this so we, we're as a country i don't think we are equipped to deal with this i have faith that if anyone can do it amazon can yeah um, they are the behemoth. They are they are a danger to us all as small business owners, but at the same time, they are creating the platform for us all to exist on in the first place. So, uh, I, I really hope that they can can move this forward. And I, I'm trying to be in the ecosystem as much as possible because where where massive change happens, massive opportunity exists. Yeah, very true. Do you think all this backflips and stuff is the reason why they've had a bit of a rough time? Since they've Absolutely. launched in Perth? Yeah. Oh, Australia. Absolutely. I, mean, yeah. I look at people's buying patterns. So people are seeing and hearing about great customer service and great, I guess, shipping and shipping, cust- uh, uh, shipping services. And it's becoming, uh, it's kind of in the culture now that we, we are expecting things ASAP. We're mm-hmm. expecting to be told every five minutes where our product and tracking this stuff is. And, there are experiences out there like that. There are some fantastic providers locally, maybe like Keepspace that can provide fantastic uh, uh, tracking information and customer service and, you know, ship really quickly. And especially locally, you can get things out almost same day 
to um, or sometimes same day to to customers. That's becoming, I think, in people's minds, they're expecting that more. Yeah. So when when something happens, if it goes a little slower, when Aussie Post performs at its normal rate KPI of three days for for Express Post, people freak out. <laughs> oh my God, you guys are fraud! You can't can't believe this. And well, guys, we can see it. It landed here. They didn't do anything with it that day. They moved it out to the next layer the next day, and then it came out to you the third day. And they expect it. You know, Express Post. They press the button, and it turns up at their door. Now Amazon's almost doing that in the US. Yeah. And while that's great and it certainly doesn't happen here, people are expecting it here in Australia and I, and we just simply don't have the infrastructure to do that. Yeah. So I, I'm excited that Amazon would try to implement that. They've, they've turned on the, I guess the underlying thing for that is Amazon prime where they provide um, free shipping um, all around the country. I think it's free two day shipping countrywide in the U S so when they bought out Amazon Prime in Australia, it had all of the media stuff. So you got all your, your movies and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, but they were allowing the free shipping, but they weren't promising any shipping times. Now, it's, it's on their roadmap. They're supposed to um, have implemented it already. I'm, I'm, I haven't seen any evidence of it myself. But if you think about it, we are an extremely expansive country. We are the most isolated city here in Perth in the world from the next capital city uh, while it while the consumers might drive the behavior and the and the request to have this service <laughs> i think logistically it's going to take a herculean effort only someone like amazon could actually provide so it's exciting times um, i'm hoping they can pull it off and obviously what's good for consumers is good for everybody so it's, yeah uh, it's a definitely a good time to be in e-commerce definitely a good time to be looking at things like amazon i would be leveraging the fact that they have the manpower and the money to be able to go through these hurdles. And then we just uh, sit on the back and, and enjoy the ride. Yeah. yeah. It's one of the logistical challenges of our country doing e-com, you know, like the fast differences between capital cities. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely crazy. And we, we've, we've had our own ups and downs with that and lots and lots of customers. So, I mean, my, my advice to, to business owners when it comes to this is make sure you've implemented a, updatable tracking system into your e-commerce store. If you've got Shopify, it's already there. If you've got WooCommerce, it, it requires you to have plugins to make it work, but they're out of the box stuff that it, you just turn it on, configure it and, and you're ready to go. Things like Aftership um, that can plug straight into Aussie Post. You have to pay for these things when it comes to, to WooCommerce when, when you're using the guys like KeepSpace with a Shopify store, it's all done for you, but it's, it's absolutely necessary. And really customer service, communication with your customers is just is just absolutely key yeah definitely especially for e-com because if you run a brick and mortar store you, you have the opportunity to talk to your customer in person but when you run an e-com store you don't really wait well, you don't at all see your customer so it's important to to talk to them true true yeah and at the end of the day they're still your customer and they're still just as important yeah very true so we're talking about woocommerce and shopify which one would you recommend as an opinion <laughs> <laughs> um, not, not really even an opinion. I, I, I will tell people flat out to use Shopify. It's more expensive, but the reliability, I, I rolled my own with, with WooCommerce when I first started. I, I, I tried everything to get out of paying 
monthly services or even one-time services for plugins and stuff. Like, oh, I can write that piece of code myself. Don't do that. <laughs> it's a really, really bad idea. Mm. Uh, I, I tried to use a third-party plugin for, uh, for PayPal once. We didn't, we had PayPal when we first started. We stopped using it for a little while. Um, very, 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 very bad idea. <laughs> I used a third-party plugin to get it to work because we had some issues. Uh, WooCommerce actually had some issues with PayPal for a little while there. I found a 30%, uh, I was having 20% of my sales come from shop uh, from PayPal before I focused on it. Yeah. When I turned off PayPal, I lost 40% of my sales. Oof. It was the credibility of having PayPal, the option to have PayPal, that actually made other people buy. Even yeah. if they bought with Credit card was the first option, but they could see that they could pay for PayPal and they were taking the credit card option. So when we didn't have the PayPal option, people didn't take the credit card option. So uh, definitely, definitely accept PayPal if you can. When I, when I was rolling my own, we actually had a broken PayPal plugin. I was using some cheap one, didn't update it properly. I, I, can't, even, I can't even imagine how many sales we lost in that period when people were trying to purchase. They get all the way to the end it would say the purchase was complete. Then they would get an error message from PayPal themselves and we didn't get one. <laughs> could, not have, could not have been worse for customer yeah, service. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would go with Shopify purely because it's simple, it's fast, it's effective, and out of the box, it's built to do just what you need. Yeah. Um, so it, uh, it's, it's extendable, it, it connects to everything, uh, it's scalable, uh, I, I just love it. I, uh, I push everyone there when I can. It's also fully hosted, right? Right. So you don't need to worry no. about those um, sort of dodgy plugins on WooCommerce that sort of appear from time to time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I won't go. I've already nerded out on your audience once, so yeah. I won't go into details of having a having your own host and things like that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Suffice to say, stay with stay with Shopify. They've got it yeah. made. Easy. So where do you see the future of e-commerce uh, in Australia? I I honestly think it's early days. I think we're going to skip some of the the dodgy stuff that's that's come in emerging markets. So I, I don't think we're going to have a lot of terrible big swaths of drop shipping crap from, from overseas. We've, we've yep. kind of had a little bit pieces of that. You'll, you can go down to a, you know, the $2 stores around most of the supermarkets now. And you know, they're not, they're not heaving with people. They've gone through waves of having really crap products that um, you could buy for $2. I, I don't think we're going to see a, a big rush of that online. I certainly don't think we're going to have the big rush of supplements and fake supplements and all that sort of stuff here because of the, the TGA regulations. While I'm not a huge fan of them, they, they are there to protect the consumer and that at the end of the day is the most important thing anyway. Yeah. So I, I don't think we're going to have that. I think it's, it's definitely a tough market. There are uh, less than a tenth of the amount of people here in Australia than they are in the US, but the marketing costs are the same. So I'm finding across, we, we now, as an agency, we run um, marketing for, for stores here locally in, in the US and the UK. And the, the UK is about half the price of the US in terms of you know, cost to get in front of the audience, called CPAs and CPMs and things like that. So the, the cost to get in front of the same size audience here in Australia than in the US is the same, which is crazy town. It's, it's, there's not enough people here to warrant the price of advertising to them. Extremely expensive to acquire customers. Um, we've found across the industry, there are definitely pockets where you can absolutely make a killing, but it, it just seems the competition is, is, is just as high here as it is in the US, uh, and we have less than a tenth of the amount of people. So just to close off, I know you run the Final Fix-It, uh, I think you just touched upon it there, the agency. 
So what is what is funnel fix and, and click funnels for those who don't know? Yeah, sure. So so ClickFunnels is just a tool and I'll, I'll cover off what that means in a minute. But basically after diving deep into this, really not having a clue about what I was doing, I knew, I, as I said, I knew a little bit of technical stuff, but learning how to find an audience, giving an audience what they want and need or what they need rather than what they want and things like that. So all these things taught me some really valuable lessons about running a business, running a successful business, growing it, scaling it, and really about marketing and people. So it was something that fascinated me and I, I, I didn't realize how much I enjoyed this. <laughs> it was the most, the most enjoyable part of running butter coffee was actually finding the audience and, and scaling it to, to more people and, and making them happy and, and, and things like that. So when I started to look at different ways of growing it, different customer acquisition channels and campaigns, and I was writing emails and, um, and looking at open rates and conversion rates and all that sort of stuff, I actually found way more enjoyment in that than, than even running the business itself and, and, and the nutrition side of it. So, uh, fast forward, it was 2016. Uh, I was looking everywhere, all sorts of marketing podcasts. I was reading books, everything about entrepreneurial stuff, about businesses, about new ways of attracting customers and things like that. And I came across the art of advertising. I think it's called, um, it's a podcast by Rick Mulready. Um, he's fantastic. He's really conversational, just like this one, going into sort of tactical details about how to run a Facebook ad and things like that. It was always very fascinating. And, you know, I'd go and put his, his tactics to use and some mm -hmm. things would work and some things wouldn't. He had a, a young sounding guy on one day talking about sales funnels. And I'd never, I'd heard the term before, but it didn't, it was a real corporate sort of term. Um, and the guy turned out to be Russell Bronson. Um, so I, I didn't think much of it. I thought it was a really young guy, seemed pretty savvy, talked really fast, but he, he really described how if you look at your website or your web assets as a, as a funnel and you're taking people across a journey, you can guide them to certain ways and you could guide them from a simple opt-in on your blog through to a, a low ticket item, one of your small products, maybe a bag of coffee. And I'm thinking through, as he's explaining this, it was so clear straight away to me that I had this mostly in place, but I hadn't thought about it like a funnel. I hadn't thought about it on, if I could get someone into the blog and I get someone to buy a small product, but then I get them to purchase more and more and maybe go on to membership things and ascend up and buy bigger programs from, from the store or bigger packages or bigger kits and things like that. And I had this enormous aha moment. I went, this is amazing. And his call to action was to go and get this book called dot-com secrets. Mm. I'd heard about it. Then obviously I heard the podcast and I, I don't usually turn around and take action to whatever the person is selling. I usually go and try and put their information to use, but I went and checked it out and I was absolutely blown away. It was, a, it was an amazing book. Um, I hadn't had the same experience since the seven day startup. And we're talking, you know, three or four years later, um, I dove into the community. I dove into the tool. Um, he was selling a tool called click funnels, um, which is all about basically putting together all of your website stuff, but only the bits that you needed to be successful with sales funnels. So he's obviously sold us on this idea that websites are dead and funnels are the way to go. I, I certainly bought into that. But this concept of from a nerd and all of the problems I'd had with the stores and the sites I told you guys about before, he'd solved all those and made it super simple. When I started using the tool, I went, wow, <laughs> this is like all my nerd dreams come true. I can drag and drop things around. All the nerdy bits are taken care of and I'm, I'm really good at this. I understand how domains work enough to be dangerous with this. And I was able to 
flick up sites and websites and funnels and stuff within hours. So invariably I, I fell in love with it. I was helping out people in the community because that's what we did, you know, with the, with the, the meetups I was running, I really enjoyed watching people start their business, helping yep. them with their marketing now. Cause I was learning that as well. Uh, and seven days before the end of the new year, everyone seems to have this, what are we going to do next year? And, um, I, I get it every year as well. Um, things start to wind down, but my entrepreneurial brain starts to wind up and I'm thinking, okay, this is the end of the year. We're going to have new Year's resolutions coming up now. People are going to be hitting the gym January one for me for an, as an entrepreneur, it's what's, what's next year's business going to be. What's the next year. What's the big breakout moment we're going to have with, with entrepreneurialism. Uh, and I want to get started January one. So I've got the whole year <laughs> to make that year success. Um, after helping people in the ClickFunnels community and, and really diving into the tool, and I loved it. It was way better than WordPress and I really enjoyed doing it. And I was, I was having some success putting little funnels together for butter coffee and things like that. Yeah. I, I came up with the, the, the brilliant idea to do a WP curve like Dan Norris's, but instead of WordPress, I was going to do it for ClickFunnels. It was seven days before the end of the year. Okay. I'm going to do a seven day startup. I've got this great idea and immediately on day one, I knew it ticked all of the boxes, massive big ticks on the first one. So I thought, okay, I could do this. So in the next day I told some people in the group, I didn't tell them what I was doing. I just said, what if, what if this existed? Um, and it was ridiculous. <laughs> I actually had someone message me and say, like, where do I get this? Do you know who's doing it? Can, can we do this? So, um, I pretty much had a soft sale um, day two, which is your minimum viable product. That's the day when you're supposed to get someone to try and pull out their wallet. I came up with a name. Um, I looked everywhere for uh, something similar. I can't remember the exact sites now that, that gave me the idea for the name, but it was something, something fix it. I thought, okay, well funnel fix it. That would, that would give me an, a funnel in the name, but uh, I went with that. Uh, it's still around today. So funnel fix it was the name. I built out a simple website. I built it in ClickFunnels. Um, that was able to take people's money. Um, I replicated Dan's basically, exactly. So it was, it looked exactly like WP Cove, except it had all the ClickFunnels logos and things like that all over it. And I realized at the time there was about 35,000 people, I think in the ClickFunnels group, in the Facebook group, I knew I wouldn't be able to put my link in there, but if I started helping out and people would say, what do you do? If they asked me then I was able to provide it to them. So I thought, well, 35,000 people, I don't need that many. <laughs> I'll just start helping and eventually these people will start coming. Yeah. Um, I knew that getting uh, a customer was going to help me validate this idea. So my one metric that mattered on day six was getting a customer. <laughs> so can I get someone to pay me money to help them with their click Uh And then day seven, I went live and told um, the people who had reached out to me that this is what I was doing and immediately got signed up. So I went from zero to sales in seven days with funnel fix it yep. and zero to six days in six months again. Oh. So what are, what are some other things click funnels can be used for? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it's not built as an e-commerce tool, um, yep. but through the, uh, as, as I said, I, I am a nerd. Um, there are some things you can do to turn a landing page that has the ability to take sales into a bit more of a, a, a cart look and feel. So you, you've always got to think about it as your front end. And if you, if your audience has had experience with um, Shopify, they may have tried out Ezra Firestone's amazing Zipify pages, which is a way of putting, you know, like a sales page specifically for a product or a um, maybe some sort of product solution type long form sales that are that type of thing on the front of your products. Yeah. Um, so it's a way of building what's called a landing page for, for Shopify. 
So ClickFunnels does those 10 times faster. They're, they look amazing. Uh, and there's now the ability to integrate those from a sales process with ClickFunnels as well, straight from shop, uh, from, from ClickFunnels straight to Shopify. Oh. Um, we've also built some custom codes to make your ClickFunnels pages look more like Shopify to have things like, hover images when you click on an image it'll show that um when you click on different products it'll show different images all these things that aren't actually out of the box but we're able to code those and put them in to make them look more like the shopify store yep uh, but we're really trying to to focus on a product or a product solution for someone to get an immediate sale we really want to get um people hooked in give them a quick offer get them to purchase so they're they're, they're in that buyer state um, yeah. We can get them over onto our Shopify store once we, you know, we put things like loyalty programs and 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 re, retargeting and, and getting people to come buy more from us. But that initial sale, we can move a lot faster when we're using things like ClickFunnels. Yeah, definitely. If you say it's ten times faster to do it on ClickFunnels, then I can definitely see the the benefit of using that instead of like WordPress or Shopify. You know, like WordPress Bakery, you can make pages with, but that takes patience and some design skills. <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I think yeah. I, I know that um, this can't be attributed to this guy, but he said it so many times. Um, I was recently at the Funnel Hacking Live conference in, in the US, which is the big ClickFunnels conference. There's like 5,000 people. One of the guys there is, is Steve Larson, and he <laughs> he says regularly that money loves speed, and it really does. Um, if, you can, if you can move faster than your competition, if you can move as fast as the news cycles that are happening, um, everyone's talking about keto, everyone's talking about this type of product, or everyone's talking about um, this uh, problem in the in the market. If you've got a, if you've got a product that can hit that, um, and you can get something up that talks to exactly that, you've got that context for for that problem or that piece of news or that product or whatever it is the faster you can move the more money you can make yeah and, and i think that's probably the same for e-commerce as you said earlier everyone's expecting the two-hour delivery that they're getting in america here but it's not feasible but <laughs> yeah, yeah, so the final question of the podcast is your call to action to end the podcast we ask our guests to provide a call to action to our e-commerce listeners to inspire them to action to grow their e-commerce store so What's your call to action, Nathan? So my, mine would be to simplify. It was my word of the year last year was to simplify. So what, what are you doing at the moment that is really not pushing your revenue numbers forward? Or if revenue is not uh, something that you think you're in control of or, or it's something that uh, is a pain point for you that um, you're not really, you don't see the, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, <laughs> yeah. then focus on customer service. So, if, if you can simplify your customer service, you can simplify your customer acquisition. You can, if it's taking orders away from you, if it's taking packing away from you, if it's um, taking tracking away from you, if you, if there's something you can automate, it'll simplify your business. Yep. It'll give you the time, the headspace, maybe even the funding to, to grow, to scale, to focus on your customers more. Number one call to action would be to simplify where you can. Simplify, yeah, is your call to action for the week, hey? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So to end, where can people find you, Nathan, if they want to learn more? Uh, If you want to find me online, uh, you can find me um, as an agency at funnelfixit.com. And if you um, just want to grab a bulletproof coffee in town, you can hit me up on Facebook as well. Yeah. Sweet. All right. So thanks heaps for the podcast. Until next time, guys. See you later. Thanks, Simon. Bye. Thank you for listening to Your Call to Action. This episode has been sponsored by Keepspace. Do you run an e-commerce business? 
is picking and packing your orders getting you down? Send your products to us and we'll get it done on time, every time. Integrating right into your website and marketplace with amazing shipping rates. Go to keepspace.com.au forward slash your call to action to get an amazing opportunity.